Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, Season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. This is the Daytona Supercross wrap-up. It is Tuesday afternoon, evening, here on the West Coast, and... uh, Taking a little bit of longer time, but that's because, uh, well, we'll explain to you in a second. This podcast brought to you by BTOsports.com, official sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM team. Anything you need for your biker body, BTO Sports has it. The nation's leading retailer of uh, gear, body parts for your uh, uh, bike, uh, engine, OEM parts, you name it, they got it. Their tire prices can't be beat. Free shipping over in, uh, to international guys over a certain amount of dollars. And use the code PULPMX to save yourself Big cash uh, on checkout. And, of course, uh, presented by Fox Racing. Fox Racing, uh, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Full line of 14 products, the boots, the V4 helmet, airspace performance goggle, 360 racewear, foxhead.com, or visit your local authorized Fox dealer, Fox, the official gear of Brock Tickle, Ken Roxon, and Ryan Dungey. Three out of the top four this weekend in Daytona. And uh, with that, Let's get going on the podcast. Joining me on the line, two-time German Supercross champion, two-time Montreal Supercross champion, top privateer for many, many years, Jason Wygant. Yeah, that's right. Dominating Germany, Montreal. Yep. Screwing up Ryan Dungey a couple years ago, whatever it takes. Uh, former flagman at Englishtown, uh, former Disney World employee, uh, Jersey Shore, Six Flags uh, employee at some point, uh, Jason Thomas. Yeah. All right, welcome to the show. Um, we couldn't get this done earlier because Wygant, like a true American hero, uh, announced Saturday at Daytona all day long, then did two full days at the RC, Ricky Carmichael Amateur Supercross, at Daytona Speedway again. Weege, how's the voice? It sounds okay. Yeah, I kind of found like a, a leveling off point. Like I was seriously nervous, like, by, like, 9 a.m. on Sunday. Like, we started at 7 a.m. on Sunday. By 9 a.m., I already was like, dude, it's already pretty bad. <laughs> uh, and then I kind of, like, leveled off. You know what the ultimate kick in the nuts of that weekend is? The ultimate, ultimate kick in the nuts? <laughs> no, no, is it, It's damn set the clocks ahead the uh, very night. Yeah. There's only one night a year that, and it's not just me, every, everybody at, uh, that involved, that's involved with the race, not just MX Sports, but the actual Daytona people. Like, the higher-ups of Daytona are there running the show on Saturday night, and if they're not there at lockstep, damn it all, at 6 a.m., which is really 5 a.m. on Sunday also. Yeah. I mean, it's the only time of the year, the only race of the year where stuff like that has to happen, and there they are. Um, it was tough for me. I'd drive back to Orlando after talking to the riders, uh, getting interviews, an hour and 15 minutes of sleep until the alarm went off. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back-to-back races are common, whatever, but – 
to have a nighttime supercross mm-hmm. and a morning practice session is not a combination you get any other time of year. And then it's set the clock's ahead. How uh, how was the whole RC uh, amateur supercross? I feel like we didn't get a lot of tweets or Instagrams about it, so you know, let's catch up here. Um, yeah, a little in the dark. Yeah, not really sure what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Very very vague references to some sort of speedway <laughs> race. Uh, how was it? How was the event? On the social media thing, so we're in the we're in the the suite. Or we actually announced right next door from where you uh, you always hang out in the NFAB suite because I, I heard that's the place to be. So oh, I'm like, that's, that's, I got going to set us up. Put me up in there. I got Chase Stallo in there. I think he thought he went to heaven. I think so. <laughs> he was very happy. Yes. Uh, thank God too, because if you hadn't, he probably would never have gone back to Daytona. You know, like, worst race know of the year. Opinion. Worst race of the year to spectate. Absolutely terrible race. Terrible. Okay. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, I, I figure you guys would like this one. So we're in there. I, I invite anyone I know from the industry and like, please come up to the tower. Please, I'm going to be in there for 15 hours by myself. So we had uh, Ryan Holiday from Team Green and uh, our buddy Monster Tom, Cowie's PR guy, mm-hmm. BSing with them the whole time. Davey gets on the radio. Attention, attention, I need to know, who is number 235? Who is rider 235? So everybody's like, oh, man, somebody's in trouble. Yeah. So, oh, dude, Davey's on a rampage. And we're like, well, this no, guy. that's for Instagram. <laughs> so Holiday like, opens right. up the laptop, and he's like, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And then like two minutes later, number 235, Styles Robertson <laughs> jumping the wall. <laughs> hashtag RCSX, hashtag Daytona. <laughs> right. Right. You're like, did the guy cut the track? Did he maim a flagger? No, no, no. I need to know his number for Instagram purposes. <laughs> um, how was it, though? Um, entry's it's, good? It's, uh, I mean, everything? I know you. Uh, I know you're, everybody's going to expect me to say it's good. So I will qualify it by saying. Well, I, I, don't, it, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what anybody's expecting. You just tell us how it is. Well, everybody say I work it. I work for the company. So of course well, hold on a second. Hold on. Did you receive any monetary compensation for your two days of announcing? You know what? I have to give huge credit. My good friend Tim Cotter at the end of the weekend, or whatever that would have been, yesterday, <laughs> yeah, right. handed me a check. I oh. haven't even opened it yet. He's like, it's not much. It's just a token of appreciation. Oh. You shouldn't have had to work it solo. Because um, oh, okay. usually it's myself and David Iser from DMXS, but Iser blew his eardrum out, literally. Literally has a blown eardrum. So uh, that was it. I had to do the whole thing myself. Oh, so, so you did get paid, so you are a shill for this race. Got it. Well, uh, getting a check at the end, I'm a shill for the race every two weeks when my salary paycheck comes. So, mm-hmm. of course, I'm a shill for this race. So, right, right. A- a- anyway, so to qualify it, I will say, it was actually really good this time, and I'll use the word actually because it had its strong points in the past, but overall it was kind of, as you would say, eh. Oh, that gets you in trouble when you do that kind of eh. I know. Obviously, Daytona in the wintertime and the atmosphere of the Speedway and being able to watch the Supercross on Saturday and ride the next day has mm-hmm. its strong points. Yeah. That's cool. But as far as, like, the talent that showed up, the kind of racing they were able to put on, it was kind of second rate. I mean, it was nothing like there were like maybe two or three decent names that mm-hmm. would race it. Um, are you including, honestly, are you including? the majority of the entries were either from Florida, they were locals, or dudes from Canada who were just trying to get out of the snow. Are, were you including Barry Carson in the decent dudes? <laughs> but now that I think about it, yeah, it was just spectacularly glorious um, <laughs> the last three years. It was just incredible. Now, why um, is Bear Dog there? They must pay. Somebody must pay. 
Suzuki contingency. Okay, all right, fantastic. I figured it all out. We even had Pat Alexander, and we interviewed him, and he's like, oh, well, you know, we're big with Ricky, so we want to support this race with good contingency. And I'm like, cha-ching, now we know why Bear Dog's here. But anyway, I'm, I'm, a, I'm taking forever to explain this. The point no, is, it's good. It was a cool event to ride for, like, a weekend warrior type of guy in the yeah. past, mm-hmm. but it didn't draw into the super talents. It's, it, this year it really got there, and it's actually not even specifically because of the event itself. It's because there were too many big amateur races. No one knew where to go. Everyone right. was stretched thin. About two years ago, I think they started having meetings and said, I think the AMA and the manufacturers sat down and said, we need to decide what are the races everyone's going to. So because of that, they've moved some dates, so there's not as much conflict. There's literally, there at one point, I think there was five straight weeks of amateur racing from February through March. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Because of moving dates around, it's allowing people to know where to go, who to race. This year, the talent was a lot better. Um, and now I think it's officially, the event's like on the map as, well, they, like, they have a term now. They're calling them the majors. Um, oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah. That's a marketing term. That's cool. But it literally is by watching it. You're like, okay, Plessinger was here. And I'm sure R.J. Hampshire would have raced if he wasn't hurt. And you're like, you get those guys. Jordan Smith is hurt. I, he probably would have been there, too. Mm-hmm. You put that together. You're like, okay, now you're dealing with the best guys in each class for the most part from around the country. Now it's legit. And Bear Dog. I said the best guys. Right. Did Bear Dog beat Earl May? Earl May and Bear Dog are, I don't, you know how Shorty and Tickle, like, just could not get away from each other last year no matter right, what? right. Dude, the two are unreal. I'm talking at times three entire laps side by side. <laughs> uh, and I actually, I think May had the edge on him. May's a couple years older, and I think he had the edge, but he fell down when it counted in one of the mains. So Did, uh, Bear Dog got himself a title. Bear Dog's bike look uh, pretty fast? It looked damn stock. <laughs> DG Pop? DG Pipe? <laughs> yeah, DG National Pipe on a, on a four-stroke. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, MSR gear, had the MSR gear. Did uh, you happen to catch the jacket he was wearing on Saturday? No. He had a leather jacket that said MSR Legendary on the back. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I'm like, of course. Yeah. They made, they made three of them. LaRocco, Larry Rosler, and Karsten. <laughs> That's it. Um, uh, and then, so you announced, also you announced Saturday at the track, live announcing with Paul Page. And Rocket Rob Bidas. Always good to have Rocket Rob. I know oh. you're a huge fan. Oh, I love oh, Rocket my. Rob. JT, yeah. Rocket Rob brings it. Rob's cool, there, for sure, no there, doubt. There is no, I mean, he's got the pipes. He's got the knowledge. You know, he's got the fake drama he can build in. He's got the, <laughs> he's got the total package. He really is. You can't really get better. Paul Page is awesome. He's, if you guys don't know the name, like when you think of IndyCar racing, like mm-hmm. he's the voice that you have in your head. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I give him credit. He, he, you know, asked me a few questions, you know, when we had our meeting on Saturday morning, like, yeah. what's the deal with this guy? And he watches the Supercross all year to kind of know what's going on, but then he had some specifics. So, uh, yeah. it, it was cool. That's always a really fun one to, to work. I thought, and we'll get into this in the show, like, the crowd was big, and I felt like they were just into it. Like, people were fired up. Crowd Saturday, it seemed. But since they opened up the tarmac, JT, the crowd's been good. There was a lot of people there. I, I had a few people comment to me personally that they felt like there was a ton of people there. So that's yeah. a good thing. No, I think ever since they put the tarmac open and you could stand right there, right close to the to the race and, and maybe have Carmichael's bike skid by you, 
like an 0, uh, 05 <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah. uh, I think that's really added to the event because, man, uh, we talk about the old school Daytona, JT. Back in the day, I mean, it seemed like there was, you know, 5,000 people there, if that. I mean, it's a big area, but it didn't draw a ton of people. Yeah, the access was pretty bad before, so I, mm-hmm. I do agree that that kind of uh, made the, the experience much better for people. Yeah. Uh, we also liberal use of the seven-deuce-deuce out there. I enjoyed that. Good job. Uh, you know, you we're not scared to drop that. And the LCQs. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Each guy was – whoever finished fifth, each guy was just short. He was just short with an extra emphasis. Uh, um. <laughs> I love it. It's it's awesome. Um, the uh, and the LC two fifty LCQ. I for, I didn't know if you guys knew this or not, but I talked to Kevin Crower from the AMA. We had a photo finish with Zimmer and Bombart. Bombart. Yep. Yeah. Bombart. Uh, Bombart. Bombart. I don't know. Um, Crosley Radio guy, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, photo finish. I talked to Kevin Crower earlier this year at Anaheim. You, you know that the official ruling is now the transponder. They, so it changed from it used to be the scores. Yes, yeah, now they just said, you know what? We're tired of just getting railed by everybody. If there's a tie, we're going by the, you know, or if there's a close thing, we're going by the transponders at the bottom of the jump. That is the new rule. That guy wins. That's actually a good idea, I'd say. I mean, you can't yeah, argue with no, the transponder, and, and, right? And that's what, I mean, they used to argue with the transponder, and everyone freaked out, right? So I think it's good. So, yeah. But, but, um, yeah, I did happen to, just by coincidence, I was doing some videos at like 6 o'clock in that very section because the fans were gathered by the finish line, so we were interviewing a lot of people. Yeah, what, I just what, happened to be standing hold, there. Hold on a second. Was, what? These people you interviewed, I mean, were you looking for people from every, every country other than the United States? I don't understand. After It started <laughs> out just randomly, like the first three, and then I think people were lying just to get interviewed. A lot of Argentinians. I... I'm in the press room. I'm watching Wygant interview these people, and they're from all over the world. No one is from America. There were two girls that had the same accent. It sounded like I was talking to myself, and they're like, yeah, we're from Denmark. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> from Denmark. You're we're here from- to marry Ken Roxon. Okay, yeah. You're like, let me see some passports. Right. The accents were fading right. quickly. Anyway, I was doing the interviews, and I'm just killing time, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, wow, they dig this. What's, I'm like, what's this big hole in the ground on all these wires? I'm like, oh, my God, is this where the transponder loop is? It's not even close. Like, I'm talking, I just happened to note this. Maybe you guys have in the past, or maybe it's just a Daytona thing. It's like 10 feet before the finish line. Oh, no, I thought it was at the base, right at the base. Yeah. I think it might be a Daytona thing. You know, obviously, oh, it's yeah. different. Yeah. It's a, Daytona's real dirt, real grass down there as opposed to stadium where the whole floor is built up right so maybe it's just there but i was surprised yeah um yeah it was a good job by you 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 did, you did well you uh came through oh thanks i you know what here's what i learned uh i'm going to talk to prater and the feld guys about it so when i see him this weekend in detroit they really do a good job like i'm sure they were probably thinking i was terrible and that because we who have does, no radio communication, like, really at all. Who does a good job? Well, I'm confused. Who are you talking to? people. Oh, okay. I, 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 I want to give Prater credit. I'm going to be like, I know you're probably watching it. Stuff that only they would notice that was different here compared to what they do every week. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times where I was like, okay, I don't know if this main event starting in three minutes or five minutes or two minutes. And what difference does it really make, you think, right? Right. But that means maybe you have to kill one minute of time with just blubber, nothing to talk about, fluff. Yeah. When you watch the regular ones, that is never happening. They are playing music 
to the exact precise second when something is happening and the commercial plays to the exact precise mm-hmm. they got that thing down and I know that they're screaming in their headsets do this stop go stop yeah. go stop go stop yeah. and you know no one really knows that it's just something you take for granted but I could tell there were times where I was like I don't know how much time I have and yeah I don't have Maxi in my ear screaming at me to do it thank god but also I could see why it helps your introduction sometimes you had gotten only to what five riders left before the gate dropped and other times you were done you could tell. I, yeah. Right. I had no right. – I just literally had no idea. You were sort of reading the sheets off and the sponsors and yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden yeah. the gate would drop and you're like, okay, we're going racing. So Yeah. Like Southwick exactly. in uh, 2000 and uh, – yeah. yeah, a lot like that. <laughs> not, not knowing when the gate was dropping. I just didn't know. I thought – I don't know if it was a rolling start or a <laughs> – <laughs> uh, a, t- a double file restart, or how we were doing it that day. Right, right. Um, no, it was a good job. Yeah, I thought it was good. And again, like, I didn't hear. Okay, I heard a few mistakes from Paul Page, rider pronunciations, things like that. Uh, yourself and Rob, I didn't hear one mistake. I, I, and I'm listening because I'm in a suite with chicken wings and a burger bar and all you can drink. Chase and I are hanging out. It's very quiet. The only thing piped in is the announcers. Were you really paying attention then? And I was paying it and I was paying attention. It's all we could hear. And guess what? You didn't make any mistakes because you just understand the sport. So I'm just saying, I'm not naming any names. Not I'm gonna just throw this out there, but I I know where you're going with this and I like her. I, I'm not naming I really any do. names, but again, it was easy for Rob Bidas and Jason Wygant to do this. Just from following the sport. That's it. Um, uh, I did have you in the back of the mind a few times. Like, Tomac was still on the list for one of the heats. Yeah. And I was like, shoot, I just read his name. I'm pretty sure he's out. They didn't make – when did we find out? That was late. Wasn't yeah, it was, it was pretty late. Uh, I found out, um, geez, 6 o'clock, five five forty five something like that. I saw it, like, retweeted or something like that. You know, at that point, I'm actually working already, but I saw it, like, retweeted, and I'm like, wait, better tell everybody that he's not racing because we made fun of that before. Yeah. I hope he really isn't racing. Right. Uh, um, so you were in the back of my mind, man. Thank you. you. You put the pressure on. That's good. I like it. I, commitment to excellence like the, uh, like the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get talking about the race a little bit. Um, JT uh, Villapoto came in with two wins out of nine, and – Maybe we weren't sure what was going on. He was taking what he could get. There was some talk about, you know, he's not as dominant as before. But on a, if this is a preview of what we're going to see this summer, you know, and I know uh, Racer X is a company of the MX Sports who run the Nationals, but maybe we should all just stay home. I mean, it uh, was I'm not f- going to go on record as advising <laughs> people to stay home. Uh, but it was throw that out there now. It was a thorough ass whooping by RV. Yeah, it was. It definitely was a statement for all the people that are like, I'm not going to say who, but people are out there saying, "Oh, he's not as good," or he's maybe you know switched some people around on his team. He's out of track. Yeah, yeah. They can all suck it because he just crushed everyone. Oh, uh, he was up 18 seconds, and Bidas tried to build drama. Weege when he tipped over in that turn, but oh no, he was. I think it was only down to 12 at that point when he got up. Um, no, no, and I think he stretched it back out. No worries by RV. Yeah, that was uh, that was impressive. I, I think uh, a lot of the theme of this whole uh, episode here is going to be how much was Daytona or how much was the rider himself. Not just Filippota, but I think a lot of other guys will get to. It's like, it's just such a different race. Like, does this mean, okay, Filippota is fully 
about to just destroy everybody for the next couple of weeks uh, or not. Uh, it, it's hard to say. I mean, he was unbelievable. He was unbelievable on Saturday night. There's no doubt about it. I I didn't like the track slash layout very much. I feel like, you know, they shortened it for TV. Lap times were about 105, somewhere around there. Uh, lap times like in 03 were 130. Um, and I imagine lap times in um, uh, 1984 were probably even longer because they went out into, into the pits where the pits are now and went over the speedway or something. But um, I don't know. I just felt like it was a simple layout. And at some point, like Indianapolis, JT, guys are just racing the track. But with it being so short and not offering a lot of excitement, like the 250 main was a snoozer. And I felt like that was a little bit to do the layout, a little bit due to the track. I didn't like the changes that much. Yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly understand um, like where you're coming from on that. Like make but... it make it gnarly or make it, you know, or just move on and, and not have a race there or, or something. Make a normal Supercross out of it. I don't know. I just sort of was in between. Yeah, I think it would have been much easier, and I think we would have been even claiming it wasn't was very easy if it hadn't rained leading up to the weekend. Yeah. Because I think many of the difficulties we saw with the track were due to that rain. Um, had the track been much harder and less ruddy, I think it would have been a freeway. I really do. I think it would have been very easy. Yeah. There would have been hardly any crashes. It would have been very, very fast and easy. And we would have all, you know, I think there would have been a lot of complaints about being one-lined. But as far as the track being tough and being a, a really difficult Daytona, I think the weather kind of... Uh, yeah. Played in favor of that. Will Hahn told me afterwards that he got more tired last year doing 15 than he did this year on the bigger bike doing 20. Right. So, I don't know. Something to think about. Um, how much JT did RV's dominance have to do with the track or have to do with just him? Like, if we're in St. Louis does does and he gets a whole shot, or I don't know if he officially – did he officially get the whole shot? I think he did. No, Dino did. Dino did. Um, if he officially gets a whole shot or, or, or starts up front in St. Louis and 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 lays a smackdown, uh, how much is it due to the Daytona? Was it that bad? Just the ruts, the bumps? Well, certainly it was a big part of it was being Daytona. I, I don't think you can shy away from that at all. I mean, you're talking about one of the winningest outdoor riders ever. Um, so <clears throat> that that definitely played a huge factor in it. But I, I think being up front within you know 100 yards at the start also played a big factor. I think if you give him the whole shot at most races this year, you're going to see him kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that it would be to that extent on a normal Supercross track. I, I think Daytona is right up his alley. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's won four times in a row, correct? Uh, four, no, Stuart no, won. Yeah. He's won. He's won four total. Yeah, four total. Right. Yeah, four total. Yeah. What did you see down on the on the field, Weege? I mean, I was up in the suite uh, chicken-winging it up, but uh, what did you see, like – just aggression, just sort of faster in the ruts than everybody? Actually, I have to say from, from the ground floor, and I think this is where your complaints normally come uh, about watching it from the ground floor, it's really hard to tell the difference. Now, I, I yeah. was watching a little bit. I've been watching. I'm actually watching stuff right now, and there it seems clear. What I was really impressed watching him was the, the thing that makes Daytona weird is that, yeah, it's outdoor-like, but I've always heard riders talk about it also has the, you know, there's some on-offs and there's, there's still jumps you know, uh, a little bit more so than a, except for maybe old Kenworthy's or something, right? He, he, like, he was aggressive, but he was also hitting every mark perfectly. 
Like, he'd get kicked by a rut, but he would still hit the perfect backside. And he'd hit this thing, and everybody would be getting bucked around, but he would still nail this jump. It was like this perfect combination of being aggressive yet also being precise. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, Unadilla, you just need to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. But there's there aren't any, you know, you got to go 3-2-2 two, two to get through yeah. this section perfectly. Uh, that's what I really see. But you only see that to me on the uh, on the camera. Having these overhead right. shots makes a huge difference, and then it's pretty clear how, how good he was. Uh, that was the best he's written all year, I think, by far. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I have written in my – I'm doing observations right now. It should be up tomorrow on Racer X, and uh, or today if you're listening to this uh, on Wednesday. Um, uh, I have my in my notes, did Kenny F himself, question mark, in my notes during the race. And the reason I said this, JT, is because Kenny qualified sixth, uh, third in the uh, heat, um, sixth gate pick. All the guys were going on the inside out. You know what I mean? The fastest gate was the very inside, uh, the way the start was. Kenny, I don't know if you guys noticed it, Roxon was by the box, so 10th gate pick. Now, maybe the rut was all jacked up or whatever, but and seeing Cirillo was in the same spot, and I and I – and I wrote the same thing for Cian Cirillo. His motor went. His motor blew up in the heat race. He went from a first gate pick to a, fi- a tenth gate pick. Uh, maybe I don't know where, where. Where was Adam's gate pick? Hold on. Ninth. Adam so, would have been ninth or ninth, tenth. Yeah. yeah, ninth pick for Adam. So he was sort of forced to go by the box. Kenny had sixth. He was not forced to go by the box, but yet he did, and he rode a good race to. Uh, to uh, pull out a second place, but I was wondering about that. JT, did you see that? Did you did you notice it or think about it? Yeah, I did. Um, the thing with that track this weekend is the inside absolutely dominated the starts uh, for the most part. You you could from where my vantage point was, I was uh, further down the inside, and you could literally see the guys on the inside just pull ahead and then just control the turn. Yeah. So I, I think Roxon's. I think his strategy was he didn't have that very inside gate pick, which he would prefer. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go out here near the box, much like Alessi does time and again, where I can control. I, ha- I have that extra five feet of room. Hopefully I can jump out good and I can make up that gap and come in there a little bit hotter than those guys that sweep around. Uh, I think he was just trying to avoid that melee of good guys that are all kind of halfway between the box and the and yeah. the inside. Yeah, it was interesting. And he would just yeah. yeah, he would just rely on that extra room where he could accelerate where those guys are kind of bumping elbows. And I didn't w- really pan out for him, but obviously yeah. Cincerillo made it work. And I do wonder if um uh he saw Cincerillo do it and was like, Hey, that worked out for that kid. You know what I mean? I wonder if that Yeah, is I mean it it definitely there's there's merit to it. Uh Leslie does it all the time. I mean he, he yeah. really he really makes a habit of doing that because he's so confident in his ability to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I think the theory is sound. It's just, you know, it's not going to, it's not a guarantee. You really have to get the jump and, and really charge it in there. He wrote a good race though. Part of, uh, yeah. isn't one of also Leslie's strategies there is that, uh, he would rather line up against two guys. He knows aren't going to get a good jump to reduce the chance of any tangling or elbowing or running into guys in that first 10 feet. And then he'll take his chances with the rest. Well, yeah, that, that, that's part of it. Is he's only, with that move, you're only going against one guy because the other guy's the box, and it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. The other guy's the box. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we tried that same move with Timmy Ferry when his starts repeatedly sucked, but it didn't seem to matter. Um, uh, but There's it, a theory it, out there that some, 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 
some people have thrown out the amateur races, you know, where you have completely random gate picks. Uh, and in amateur races, the talent different is different is, is varies much more widely. And they think that you'd have safer starts if you made sure that the fastest guys started with each other because they all pretty much do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And does that work or does it not like this? The difference between having a really good starter next to a really bad starter and what does that affect, um, you know, 100 right. feet down the track. Right. Oh, interesting. Uh, like Will Hahn told me he doesn't want to start next to Alessa anymore because – or what, Dallas said I shouldn't have lined up next to him because he beat me out of the – out of the hole every time, you know, and if the guy next to you gets the edge. Yeah. Yeah. I used, I used to do that with, I used to tell Timmy that all the time that you mentioned it, you know, he, this is, you know, seven, eight or more years ago, back when there was, there was a huge difference I feel in between the four strokes factory bikes and, and privateer bikes. His bike was so good. He could basically not, you know, as long as he didn't blow it coming out of the gate, he could rely on his motorcycle to pull him to the front, you know, and, and, it worked sometimes, sometimes it didn't, but I really felt like that was a, a sound strategy. If you don't feel like you can beat the elite guys out of the gate or you're going to be, you know, less than 50% chance of beating it, go out there where, the, where you have a, a distinct advantage motor-wise and, and let that pull you to the front. So, I, I always told Timmy to start by Ricky so we could get on TV. <laughs> so I think he did it a couple times. Um, uh, so Roxon gets second, Dungey gets third, both solid rides, uh, Weed, you missed the uh, Pulp MX pre-race uh, pulp cast. Uh, JT and I nailed the podium correctly um, because really we all we thought Villo with the Daytona and the ruts and everything was going to be good, and JT with Dungey, we both just thought he's just going to be so solid. Although someone told me he got into a big old swap uh, at one point. I haven't watched the main. Oh yeah, yet. in the in the whoops before the finish. Yeah, right. So he had a little sketchy moment, but generally speaking, he was. Uh, Pretty yeah, good. he just—he's too good a shape. There, there's no way he wasn't going to find him his way to the podium. You know, yeah. l- luckily for him, he didn't have to fight too much for it. But right. still, he's just too good. You know, are you are you surprised that Roxon caught him though and passed him? You know what? I don't think he would have if if Dungey could have passed Wilson sooner. I really yeah. don't think he would have. But it's the same old thing with Dungey where he just can't force his way around. Yeah. And he said, he said as much on TV as just, you know, I waited and, and tried to pass, and I just couldn't, you know. But that inability to pass, is it really does cost him at times. You know, I don't think it's going to cost him a title this year because I think he's too far back, barring something bizarre. But it really does cost him, you know, that I think he would have gotten second. Had he gotten Wilson second or third lap, just like Villapoto did, Villapoto struck right at the beginning, I don't mm-hmm. think Roxon would have got there. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, let's talk about Dean Wilson a little bit. So Indianapolis falls down in the first turn uh, on a Team 2-2 discount tire bike, comes back to 10th. Eh, pretty good ride. Like, you know, hard to judge, see how he, how he is. And this weekend he comes out, fastest qualifier, Weege, wins the heat race, running second forever in the main event, and goes from basically second to seventh in the last five laps. Was But was this... Was this a good ride by Dean Wilson? Like JT and I differ a little bit, so let's let's get you t- tie breaking us. Um, are you happy with this ride? If you're Dean and his team and everything, yeah, I say absolutely. There, there's I'm 100. percent I don't know which which guy, which one of you is saying this. That's what I said. 100. No, I, I, I said 100. Yeah, yeah, I think it was great. I think it was spectacular, awesome, whatever positive adjective you want to use. Um, 
Who cares about the actual finish? All you're trying to do if you're Dean is prove you have the potential, and that's all teams are ever looking for. I mean, that will just have people salivating. Oh, you know, he has a speed. He's just got to get used to 20 laps and get in shape. They always think they can do that. Right, right, I mean, right. how many teams are willing to take chances on guys that they just know they have the speed? And plus, you know, the last five laps at Daytona, his second 450 race, you got to cut him a break on that anyway. Yeah. So, well, he said he got. I think it was off. It wasn't so I mean, much it's probably been yeah. two years now that Dean has officially. I think just because of that, he's officially put himself right back in that mix yeah. of a guy that you got to get. Huh? Why well, you're really pumped on this ride? Why get? Absolutely, fastest in qualifying. Yep. Come on. Okay. Wins the heat Wins race. His heat race over James Stewart at Daytona. Come on. Right. Yeah, beating James and. Uh, P.S. Uh, Stewie was going for it, in case anybody was wondering. And, and to back it up, Dean had two laps that were the best times. Mm-hmm. Two of them. Yeah. Not just one, but his top two times were the best two laps. That's, that's saying something. That's not a joke. Yeah. This is still a deep field. It's halfway to the year. It's not like these dudes have given up. Like They're still trying hard, these really good 450 guys, and he was faster than all of them in practice. Yeah, now, I don't care if it was, you know, yeah. you could say, okay, there's guys hurt, blah, blah, blah. Just saying he was faster than Stu, Dungey, and Bill Cotto, and Roxon in practice. If it was just those guys out there, four or five guys, and he was the best one, that's still plenty. Like, you'd be like, wow, did not see that yep. coming. Yep. Um, uh, this, is, this is serious buzz. Dean hasn't had good buzz like this in a while. I know he won two races in the West, but still, it's. You know, two or three years ago, he was on the verge of, oh, maybe he's the next, the next guy. I don't think after the last two years of injuries, people were saying that. But now you've got to start thinking, oh, is he potentially back on that list? I mean, so wait, Mathis, are you disagreeing? No, 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 I wasn't. No, I'm on, I'm on board with that. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not. I'm like, dude, second to seventh? Seventh? And it would have been worse. Another few laps. I mean, How that, many laps do you want him to go? I'm just saying he had a freight train behind him. Um, I don't, like, what is... Good thing they don't bump the laps up then. Well, exactly. If there was 100 laps, he would have got last. Um, <laughs> uh, he, I mean, his arm pump, it wasn't so much tired. His arms pumped up again. What is going on with that? Uh, that's a weird deal for sure. Are you still mad about Canada? <laughs> no, no. You've got to no. let it go. I'm You've not. You've got to let that go. I'm on Team Wilson. I've said it. I've always said if he can get back healthy, he can run with Tomac and Barsha. Why not? We've seen it before. So I'm, I'm there. Um, I'm just disappointed. Like he, His 250 Supercross has been a massive disappointment. Um, Daytona, I mean – he had, I mean, J Law got second, third, or third. What did he get? What did J Law get? Second? I thought he got second. He got second. Yeah, he got second. You get passed late in the race, right? Um, J Law, the ultimate out of shape human being, uh, got second there. Held, I mean, he was tired and hanging on, and he got a second. I just, I, I, I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm with you as far as the team's attitudes. I mean, they're going to be like, yeah, 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 we can, we can turn this guy around. We'll give him the five laps. you know. Although, really, it was arm pump. It wasn't fatigue, so that's another deal. But uh, second to seventh. You're, okay, you're, you're talking about situations where teams refuse to not believe in 
guys like Josh Grant, um, literally anyone who can run up front is going to get a deal. That's just how it is. No, That's no. how our sport works. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree so with you So if you're looking at it through yeah, those yeah. glasses, this is a – I mean, that was a success. I don't care what the result Look, says. We we had a member of a, of a very prominent team ask why again, what the rules were for pointing out. We're not dealing with rocket scientists here. We're not. Listen, the, the, the overriding biggest point of that whole night for Dean Wilson was, A, he qualified first, so we got a ton of – they pumped him up big time before the – the race. B, he won his heat race, which is huge for sponsors. Got the interview with Discount Tire all over him. Mentioned, got all his well, sponsor mentions in there. I, I'm not a team C, owner. I'm not he a team owner. He ran second for 15 laps. All That's your, all that matters. That's all, all, do you think that Discount Tire cares what place hold the on. result says after that night? Hold on. You're talking like a CEO from Team 2-2. Two two. I'm not talking like that. I'm not. Okay, who are you talking like? I, I'm talking about uh, 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 four-time Manitoba champion who's a few pounds over his fighting weight. Sitting How much by, are you going to pay Dean sit, Wilson next year? Sitting behind a desk, criticizing everybody. How much are you paying Dean um, Wilson next year? I, I'm, like, I'm not arguing with either one of you. Like, we, You're exactly right. Teams are going to go, oh, God, we can work with this. But, again, some teams have asked you about pointing out. So we're not dealing with a you know a bunch of rocket scientists. So I but I agree with you, Weed. That's apples and oranges. And though. I agree with you, uh-huh. JT, on discount tire and all that. Yes, pumped. Exactly. But I'm talking about results. Results and second to seventh isn't good. It was his second four fifty supercross ever and it was damn Daytona. Why why are you holding this so badly against the guy? Uh, uh- Go back and watch tape from last year. Roxon raced it last year. He was really fast at the beginning. He got tired at the end. He was a 250 rider. He's now in the 450 class full time. He's fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out for you just because I, I've okay. been, had my eyes opened to this side. It really doesn't matter. The sport is driven by sales of products and sponsorship dollars. That's what the sport's driven by. That's, he accomplished those things. All I'm he tra- got his products out there. He got his sponsor's publicity. They're going to want to sponsor him and his team. They're going to sell products based on the promotion he got. That's all that matters. So now we do this whole wrap-up podcast. Okay, stop the, stop the podcast. We will now change the podcast to what did sponsors think. That's what we'll do. So let's, no, let's I, no, switch no, no, this. No, 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 I'm just saying that's, where, that's what matters at the end of the day. Let's, let's talk about Hanny. Because now we're going to drive products. Who sells no, products? No, what, no. Do you agree or not agree that at the end of the day, what's important to teams is what their sponsors and bottom line, the people that make their bottom I, line, think and say? I don't care. We're talking about the race. We're talking about Daytona 450 main event. And, okay, if you two jerkies, JT, what do you give Dino's Daytona on a scale of 1 to 15? It's numbers 15, so I, I, I pulled that out. What do you give it? Overall, I, I, your scale is ridiculous because I've never graded anything on a 115 scale. But I think it was overwhelmingly positive. No, overwhelmingly give, me, give me a positive. number. Give me a number. What do you think? Walking away. Um, if, I if, agree if, that if I agree on the a, result. That if, a seventh place on paper is, is you know, an eight. It's not, not great. You know, I, I put him down for a fifth to seventh when he raced, so he's in that in that realm. That's all I'm trying to say. It, but I was if go- you look at overall on his day, I'm just saying I graded an eight. I graded an eight or a nine out of fifteen. 
It was a but good... if you woke up on Saturday morning and you looked at all of the things that they accomplished on Saturday, I give it a 10. <laughs> I don't I care really do. about discount tire and selling extra tires. I agree no, with you. No, no, no. I'm looking at it as an overall day. What Look, he I'm came not... into the day, what his expectations now, were. Now I'm getting mad. Now, now I'm mad. Now I'm mad. You've made me mad. Good job. Why? What for the 450 main event at Daytona? What do you grade it on? An eight. That's all I give it. That's all I give it. It, it wasn't. I'm not saying it was terrible. He got the guy ran second. He won a heat race. You know his arms pumped up. He got seventh. But you two jerkies and JT, you're backing off from your texts were and your our conversation on Saturday night. You two jerkies are on the Wilson bandwagon, going going to the front front row tickets. You're on the bandwagon, both of you. And I'm just saying. Uh, I think that was a huge statement. I, I will. I'm not backing off from that at all. And I'm just saying, back it down. Back this thing down. That's all. You back it down. You back it down. You'll never know. You'll never know the answer because now that this has been done, things have already changed. Like we can't have parallel lives of the Dean Wilson that didn't do well at Daytona and the Dean Wilson that did. Now he did. So now he has confidence, and now teams are pumped. He could go out seriously and suck the next couple races, but I don't think he will. But even if let he me, did, this just is, doing this will make a difference. So far, let me ask you a question. So far, this. so far, wait, 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 wait. So far, Dean Wilson's 450 debut is a lot like what we saw out of Eli Tomac last year. Qualified third in Atlanta. There was a, a competing gear guy, guy, guy that told me he will podium without a doubt. Eli did four races, his best finish being a fourth. And all of us were like, eh, you know. And it so is not even remotely. It is not even remotely like Eli. You know what this is more like? You know what this is more like? No, this is Eli me. Tomac at Monster Cup two years ago winning the final main event and people being like, let's bring the Brinks truck to his house. This is the next guy. Okay. He's not so, even a 450 rider full-time, and he just went faster than guys that are. You are comparing a win to a seventh place because that's what you're comparing it to, a win to seventh place. Because that was Monster Cup, so you could say, oh, it was only 10 laps, and it wasn't the same track, but the potential was there. Holy crap, he's a 250 rider that just showed he might be as fast as Villapoto. Sign him now. JT asked, okay, JT, you had something to say. What do you think think is worth more? Since you're so worked up about this seventh place, Brock Tickle had – Horrible practice. His heat race was terrible. His semi wasn't good. He, uh, then in the main event, he caught up, passed up to fourth place, yeah, which I'm qualified. sure everyone's happy with. He qualified 15th and started ninth, yeah, and got right. fourth. Um, so what is better, Dean Wilson qualifying first, winning his heat race, and then well, going second, being in second place for 15 laps, and then getting seventh place? Which is better for you? That's a great question. That's a great question. I think it's an easy, very easy answer, and I think you're going to answer it really, really differently than I would. (laughs) Okay. When the great Ricky Carmichael was picking his team for RCH two years ago, he said to – not to me. I wasn't talking to him. But I think he said to Wygant or somebody, we looked at all the guys available, total points, and Tickle had the most points that didn't have a ride, so we picked him. Well – Guess what? Tickle has about six more points than Dean Wilson. So, I mean, Tickle did better than Dean. So, look, I'm on board with Dean. I give it, it's a solid day. It's a solid day. You two jerkies, you 
You're giving it 15s across the board. Why can't you? I'm can't, going 14.9. You can't control yourself, Why can't with with this. So I'm just trying to back it down. I'm not saying he did horrible. I'm not saying it's a waste. He showed a lot, but you've gotta you've gotta hold on better than second to seventh. All, all I'm saying is, look at okay, look at A1, look at Phoenix, look at these races, and I was just like, oh wow, this guy is falling. I was not on board with how this was going. And then you flash forward to how Saturday went. And, yes, I understand the last five laps were a disaster of epic proportions. They couldn't have gone any worse, you know, barring him hurting himself. But you look at the difference, and I don't think many people were interested in Dean at all after that, those first few races. I really think he really did a number on himself as far as value. Mm-hmm. And then flash forward to Saturday, and I think he's back. I think his value oh, is back. I think his, the interest is there. That's all you can really ask for. He's not going to win the race, I don't think. He's not expected to win the race. All he can do for himself at this point is increase his value and do as good as he can and try to win 250 races when he comes back and then try to win the 250 title. And I think as far as increasing his value back and getting all of the people behind him again, he accomplished that. I really, I really feel that way. Okay. All right. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Because this is a free agent year. A bunch of teams are going to go in, take huge swings. They're not all going to get who they want. You know, you could probably say that Roxon and Barsha are probably the, the two most valuable guys that are available. Dungey and, and Villapoto are, are not on the table. Um, you know, Reed's obviously not on the table. Stu's not on the table. So I'd say probably Barsha and Roxon are the two most valuable guys to get right now. And after this, teams are going to say, Whoever doesn't get those guys is going to be like, wait a minute, there's another option. We thought he might have been an option. Now we weren't sure. We just saw Daytona. Now we think he is. Now, there should be an asterisk about Daytona because it's so different and so weird. You know, the next couple races might have to really be used to tell the story, but I don't know if teams even care. Maybe they should. He's got to do some more. I mean, he's going to get a good ride. He's a national champion. Um, yeah, but it's a different know. scene being like, we wanted Barsha and Roxon, but we couldn't, so we're going to take another guy, but he's option B, and he's good. we're going to pay him half to like... Yeah, I think it could be minute. double the money. He could have the same, be on the same exact team on the same exact bike, but getting paid half as yeah. much. Yeah. You guys are unbelievable, but we got to move on. Um, oh, it's totally believable. It's totally believable. And the whole point is to show potential when you're... He's not even racing the class, so who cares where he finishes worth points? The whole point is to show potential... And he showed potential. Oh, my God, there's another guy available that could potentially run Villapoto speed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's Christmas. <laughs> hey, hey, do you know as well as I do that he is in contention for a few spots, and he's competing with a few guys for those spots? So, I mean, I just don't see how you can argue the value of that, think, that you ride you don't think in, an, this, in this situation. You don't think an old-timer like Roger DeCoster, who, you know, rode the Namor and Lomel GPs when his pinky was broken and he had his clutch cable in his teeth because his lever broke, so he was pulling on the clutch cable with his teeth. Uh, you don't think he looks at that second to seventh and goes, wow. Yeah, but I also think that if he was already interested, I think after Saturday he's damn sure interested. Okay. We got we to gotta move on. Look, we're, not, we're not talking about – We got to move on. We gotta move this on. isn't Devin Raper all of a sudden come out of nowhere making it happen. Oh, now you're, talking, Wilson. now you're talking shit on Devin Raper. <laughs> this is going to be like a blows situation, isn't I it? I know, exactly. It will be. Yeah. 
You can't win. It's Dean Wilson. Look, they I'm, were already on the fence. They weren't I'm, off the fence. They, were, they were like, we, they were all probably thinking, we think that there's a chance that Dean's going to be good. We just need to see something to just make us sure. Okay, we're sure now. I, I mean, he won the damn national title two years ago. He's not chopped liver. We know well, he's good. But now it's, okay, he's back. Yeah, I'm giving him an 8 or a 9 out of 15 on his night. Wow. And it's going to be that Mathis is talking shit on and I hate Dean's Wilson. Wow. So that's how this works. I, I agree. If you're giving him an 8 out of 15. You just said. You said you give no, him an 8. No, that was 8 out of 10, bro. No, I said 15. No, I know. And I, I debunked your stupid system you have. I'm well, 8 he, out of 10. He wears 15. That's why I said it. And Timmy was 15. Yeah, but this is just, that's just stupid. No one uses the 15 scale. Okay, let's move on. Hey, uh, he cannot. He cannot use the one to fifteen scale. He's incapable. No. He yeah, yeah, just can't it. do it. Can't do it. Like, yeah, a, a piano will fall on him if he says anything. That's like if my boss told me we're working, you know, from six p.m. until four a.m. every single day. I'd be like, no, this is stupid. I'd probably get fired, but I would still say this is stupid. Uh, Brock Tickle uh, had a career best fifth at Indy, and now he has a career best fourth at Daytona and rode well, Weege. Uh, did a good job. We asked him about it after the race. Did you like my intense grilling? He said, uh, we made some bike changes after horrible qualifying and, uh, you know, felt really good and the bike worked good. And I go, okay, so what did you change? He just goes, I don't know. I'm like, wow. He okay. said he just told him what was – they basically did it for him. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, okay, well, whatever. Uh, yeah. Shorty rode good. We will change something. You don't even need to know what it is, but we're going to change something and it worked. And props to you, JT, because we were doing that pre-race pulp cast. And you, first of all, you called Matt Gerke a top 10, which he hadn't done all year, I don't believe. Nope. Uh, you said Matt Gerke will be in the top 10. I don't know where your info was from. Very, you know, well, probably from Matt Gerke. But, um, and uh, Andrew Short, you said Andrew Short's going to do good just because, and you were right. He just, Shorty does 20 laps, same speed, and it was good. Uh, and he ends up for this season best fifth. So, uh, and Will Hahn, Weege was really good. Will Hahn was about 14th, I think. Um, off the start and uh, ended up getting sixth. And he, thanks to our buddy Swisscore, uh, third fastest average lap time of the night by Will Hahn. Yeah, and he was all over Shorty for fifth. Oh, he was. Lap. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Tickle, Tickle, Short, Hahn, good rise by those three, huh, Weege? You remember in Atlanta, Tickle and Hahn all of a sudden were way better than they had been at any point during the year? Yeah. And then we were like, oh, man, it's only one race is that. Like, hey, the whoops were just really unique and gnarly. There was a just that, or yeah. is there something here? I think Hindi uh, Han had a problem, so that didn't you couldn't really judge. But I think at this point, it's pretty fair to say, although those are three pretty unique tracks. Indy was rutted. Mm-hmm. Daytona is Daytona. I think at this point, it's fair to say those guys have stepped up. They have found another level at some point here these last couple of weeks. It's good. Did they transfer a power with Brayton? Anybody? Get a little nervous, but I will. I will say that the type of tracks that Tickle usually sells on are the type of tracks I feel where uh, Brighton does not. So uh, I'm going to hold out hope that the, the transfer power theory is still valid. Brighton couldn't get Although starts. Although yeah. Barsha was the one that truly started the transfer of power. So um, now that I think about it, power has been transferred all over the place these last couple of races. Yeah, you really got to transfer. You, you should really take a look at all this power. There's a lot of mapping. Um, Data. Mookie's going to be transferring some money over to AMA's bank account. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's talk about that. So the Barsha Mookie incident, um, uh, fines came out today, five grand for Mookie, probation. Who probation, oh boy. Like, I bet you he's really shot, really worried about that. But um, uh, the move itself, 
JT, I mean, we t- we talked about this a little bit on the Pulp Show and stuff, but uh, I mean, Barsha, he's certainly a, a lightning rod, but nothing. He didn't do anything wrong. It was this it was all Mookie losing his crap. Yeah, I think it's very opinion. You know, I've, I've heard people saying that Mookie went in there and and or I'm sorry, Barsha went in there and it was dirty and this and that. I think everyone's going to have differing opinions on it. And mine was that Barsha really didn't do anything too crazy. I've seen Barsha get in there, and if he if Barsha wants to get dirty, he knows exactly how to do it. And I really don't think that that was the case this time. No. I think he felt he had to pass made, and, uh, you know, things went a little wrong, obviously. But that wasn't a textbook Barsha, you know, bam-bam move by any means. And I think Mookie just honestly had enough of Barsha. I really don't think he had any patience left when it came to Justin Barsha, and we saw the result. I watched it a few times. I don't understand how you could ever fault Justin Barsha. Mookie like gave it to him a little bit, and then Barsha, in a little bit of like a Three Stooges move, like lost his front end, kind of a dorky little crash. But Justin did nothing wrong, Weege. Nothing. I don't. I don't understand. I understand Mookie being upset, but that was nothing. Yeah, and, and you know it's funny. Of course, none of these things are ever really based on on facts. Like as soon as uh, I think it was you that put it out on our Twitter, were you the one that said that about the fine? Was that you that tweeted that? I'm pulling. I'm pulling this up right now. I'm going to talk about this in a second. But yes, it was me. Right. Okay. So as soon as you put that out there on the Racex Twitter, instantly, you know, I'm, I see all the responses to that, and it's that's ridiculous. It was Barsha's fault? Barsha's fault? Barsha's fault? Barsha's fault? Barsha's fault? I even. Through the FM signal, somehow I was hearing some of the like the microphone chatter, like Vitus or Paul Page must have still had their microphone over after the race. <laughs> and I hear Barsha riding off the track at the finish. And I hear, yeah, Barsha, good job, man, good job, taking people out for no reason, like always. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there's a lot of Mookie fans down there. I mean, Florida, yo. Okay. And Mookie's popular. Mookie is popular is what I'm saying. So a lot of people thought it was Barsha. Barsha's reputation is bad. A lot of people like Mookie, but but when you watch it, I know so people are, if you're listening and you're of that ilk, if you really like Mookie and you know that Barsha's dirty, you're going to think we're being ridiculous. But if you really watch it, he just goes to the inside. Okay. That's all he did. He like, just went to the he, inside to make a pass. I didn't see any intent to knock anybody down. Here's Ron says, for a push against the guy that just took him out, shame on AMA. Um, exactly. Uh, he went to the inside. I don't feel like you could claim he took him out. Whatever, that's a bunch of crap. Barsha is a problem, and it's going to take someone to get hurt until it's too late. Because um, yes. the AMA doesn't make enough money. They have to find people for stupid shit. Um, uh, that's BS. Barsha can ride like an idiot, and that's okay. Uh, I mean, honestly, like that's bull. If I was Malcolm, I would have punched the prick. Barsha's lucky he didn't lose teeth over that. I I feel like the police should round these people up. Like you know Red Dawn, where they kept all the all the parents, the chicken wire thing, with the driving. I didn't see yep. it. So just keep okay. Just move on. I feel like they should round these people up and put them in in these cages because they don't belong in the world. With I don't understand how you could not. How could you ever think that was Barsha's fault? Uh, yes, Barsha whipped it in Roxon's face, and yes. He's done some things like roosting a medic and uh, <laughs> different things that, you know, aren't that cool. Fair point. Fair but point. He roosted a medic. He roosted a medic. I mean, it's, it doesn't get much worse. Uh, 
start a medic trying to help a down rider portion just roost him. But um, I, I don't feel like these people like uh, there was a lot of, and, and and there's a lot of people that said you know that's great Mookie does deserve to be to be fined, but I mean, uh, what are you watching, people? I know, but what, the point I'm making is I feel like when you get to these things, you know, most of these situations are judgment calls. And if you like one rider and you don't like another, and this is a very polarizing situation because, like I said, Mookie is popular. Mookie's a good dude. He's a fun guy to talk to. You know, he's, he's stylish. That team is stylish. Like, I think a lot – and it, it, they're in Florida. A lot of people like Mookie. I think we all like Mookie. I like Mookie. He's a cool dude. And Barsha has a bad rep. So if you fit those parameters, you're never going to see it any other way. But, I mean, I, mean, I look, feel like Barsha just went to the inside and when, tried to pass him. When Tim Ferry got – Cleaned out by Chad Reed at the U.S. Open, when Chad Reed was going for the whole shot to get 250 grand to complete the trifecta or something. I wrote, I would have done that too. And, and Evie Ferry was not happy with me, and Timmy was like, "You're an idiot," and I could have been killed. Talk about you know overstating it. Um, but again, like I, I was in that main event, and that move was completely just going for the start. Okay. I, I still don't – I'm very much on your side on that. Timmy is way off base but on that. But we're talking like this is my favorite rider of all time. That, could, that right. can't be discounted. And, but yet I have two eyes, and I yep. can see what goes on. I was, I was about four feet away, literally. And, and for anybody to say that this was at all Barsha's fault, again, we have a system. We round people up. We put them in drive-in theaters, in cages. I feel like that should be maybe thought of. I don't understand. Mookie, now, here's where we differ a little bit, Weege, JT and I. Uh, I thought the, sh- the Mookie had shoved Cooper Webb, and that, that was part of the reason why this fine had happened, um, yeah. why it was five grand in probation, and he had spoke, got spoken to after pushing Cooper Webb. Uh, Mookie's defense of, we're friends, didn't really work out with the, with the Webb thing. Like, that was his defense. Ah, we're just friends. I'm just playing around. Um, a couple boys. Now that one I will say, I mean, I, I, I'm going to come down on the side that that crash was Cooper Webb's fault. Like it was. That, it was. was. A, I don't think we intended to take him out, but it was a poorly planned. But you can't, you can't push a guy. No, you just can't. You just can't. And so, uh, JT and I differ a little bit. I feel like the push was, was worse than the uh, holding of the bike wide open and, I don't know, trying to feed Barsha his front wheel. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think so, and I think that's how it goes in most sports. It's like once it, – it's kind of the weird deal where you could, you know, fourth gear wide open, 60 miles an hour, run into a dude, which is more dangerous, but it's still – the job is to race dirt bikes, so at least you're still somewhat participating in the competitive part of the sport professionally. But once you make it a fight, which it's not supposed to be a fight, it's supposed to be a race, Except for this dumb sport of hockey, that's not going to be, you know, encouraged. Right. Like in football, you can tackle a guy and probably do more damage to him than you could by actually trying to punch him with a helmet on. Mm-hmm. But the name of the game is to tackle, so that's always okay. But to try to throw punches or try to shove or turn it into something it's not supposed to be is always going to be worse. It's just the way it and, has to be. And you're a fan of wrestling, so you you know this is the move that you you like this kind of stuff. Oh, I mean, I thought it was awesome. Like Don't if, get me wrong. Like, if Mookie like picked- when it happened, I was pumped. I was pumped to watch it. I'm pumped to see the Twitter war between the two of them. I was pumped to talk to Mookie about it after the race. Like it was cool. To, if Mookie um, would have picked Barsha up and thrown him over the berm, a la Hogan and Andre the Giant, 
you would have loved it. Speaking of that, uh, an excellent comment was left on the Racer X site today. Oh. I wrote a story about Cincerullo, and a guy said, I saw the greats coming through. This is how the torch gets passed. I saw Ricky when he was young. I knew he had it. It was much like Hulk Hogan getting the torch from Andre the Giant, and that's what Cincerullo is <laughs> setting himself up for. That was you, actually. That was you posted oh. that. That was actually you. <laughs> you, yeah. you blacked out again and posted. Yeah. Jersey uh, guy. That's, that's <laughs> right, the, uh, right, right. Um, anyway, right. I thought it was awesome. And um, you know, talking we, to Mookie after, he did a good job. Like on the record, he didn't he didn't say anything bad. Right. You know what I mean? <clears throat> he felt like he told me he's like, I knew I had one coming after uh, Elsinore. So, but it, it wasn't even. Over. But it wasn't even one to get. You know what I mean? It wasn't a. It wasn't a, a, a retaliation. Yeah, at that point, I hadn't watched. Right? Anything. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You did yeah, twenty yeah. times over and over. I didn't know what the deal was. Um, but now that I watched it, I'm like, yeah, I don't even know if the, you class for that as payback. Speaking to John Gallagher today about it, uh, he told me that the video angle that you can't see, they didn't show on TV, shows Mookie throttle pinned clutch in as he's picking his bike up, intending to perhaps let go. <laughs> and yeah, that's what I tried to tell you, that the, the using the bike as a weapon type thing is what's going to get him in trouble. Yeah, it was. Not, not the shove. The shove is obviously, yeah. it is what it is, and it's not good. He's going to get in trouble. But using your bike, like trying to wheelie his bike into him, yeah. I really feel like that was the, the offense that got him in, the, in trouble. And according to, like I said, according to the AMA, the throttle was pinned. <laughs> so not sure what, what, what the intent was. Um, well, yeah, I know what the I mean, intent you was. You can yeah. do more damage with yeah. a motorcycle yeah. than you can a shove, for sure. Uh, but you can always run the defense of, oh, I, we were just tangled up. I was just trying to get out of I, I was stuck. Right. You know? Hey, um, after Stewie's win in Dallas, he's 14 points down. It was looking good. There was a front coming in, yellow front coming in. The rains were starting to, to drizzle. We were getting ready for it to pour. And then since then, oh, the wheels have come off, Weege. A crash in Atlanta, uh, first turn crash at Indy. Now he hits Alessi's downed bike, crushes his header, has to pull in. He's now over 50 points down. Just like that, Stewart's season is pretty much done. Don't, don't go to me on this. i, I got to give credit to our man, JT. The next three races will be pivotal. Well, they sure were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did, I did not hear. I don't remember this three races uh, pivotal. It was right here on the show. JT, yeah. you knew that they were, these were Stewart's tracks. This is where he was going to make it happen, if it oh, was going to happen. That's true. I it, do remember that. Happen. Right. These are Atlanta was Stewie's place. Daytona was Stewie's house. And really, like, I mean, I guess some of it his fault, JT. I mean, he, you know, he crashed, so he got too much front brake. And, uh, you know, unless you think not really his fault, but, yeah. Kind of a bummer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this weekend I felt bad for him. That that was definitely not of his doing. You know, that's just a, a racing incident that could happen to Bill Poto next weekend just as easily as it happened to Stewart this weekend. Yeah. The Atlanta thing was, you know, totally his fault. But yeah, I mean, at this point, he's, even if even if Bill Poto had a catastrophic failure, I mean, he's he's twenty something points behind Roxanne and Dungey. So. Yeah. Not yeah. not a good place. No, no, not good. Um, hey, um, let's move on to 250s, but not before we talk about I was about... just going to say on Stewart, this what? is where okay. I, I got accused huh? of some. After Anaheim won, we had that three-on-three thing we do on the website, and I said, no, Stewart's out of this title because he, yes, he can overcome the points, but he needs to not have any more mistakes for the rest of the year, and I don't believe he can do it. And then some people accuse me of just being a Villapoto. Uh, they always go with ball liquor, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. This is just my point. 
Unfortunately with Stuart, stupid stuff just happens. Sometimes it's his fault, sometimes it's not. But the thought of, okay, he crashed out of Anaheim 1, but the next 16 rounds he'll be nails. He'll be top two or three at every single race and just maximize the points every time. Yeah, It just isn't going to happen, and it just well, didn't. It's a lot like his JGR Yamaha year where he kept, like, okay, you really can't make any more mistakes now, James, and he would. <laughs> you know, and okay, listen, you got a little lucky. You got some points back because this happened. You really can't make a mistake. Ah, oh, you did it again, you know? Yeah, uh, and I know Daytona's, like we said, it was definitely not his fault. But Anaheim 1 was. He crashed. Atlanta was. He crashed. You only get a couple of those. Yeah. So, yeah. and you're that far behind. Uh, BTOsports.com, RacerX Podcast, BTOsports.com. Great company. Check out their tire prices. Uh, use the code PulpMX to save yourself money. Whatever you need. Uh, from btosports.com they can hook you up with and uh, certainly we we uh, love having them present this podcast for probably four years now so thanks very much to btosports.com and of course Fox Racing official gear uh, three out of the top four riders this weekend uh, new instinct boot uh, kicking ass and uh, v4 helmet foxhead.com or visit your local authorized Fox dealer and of course listen to this uh, race tech commercial to uh, save yourself money with anything you need for suspension so Thanks to those guys, and uh, thank you guys for listening. BTOsports.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore. And many other guys uh, choose uh, Race Tech Suspension, and they've been along, around a long time, and their their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Race Tech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Race Tech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Fee, the owner of Race Tech, one of the smartest guys out there. And uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back. 250s. No, uh, we're not going to 250s. We're not. I had a good conversation with Mike Webb. I'm, I'm still on Stewart. Oh, Jesus. Okay, all right. all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were very puzzled with the slow-to-get-up thing. We were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He has theory. He thinks, sadly, that James has crashed huge so many times that he's broken bikes in huge crashes that I, I hadn't even thought of this. Like, you have a crash, you get up, and then you're just assuming everything's fine and it's not going to do something nuts the next corner or a triple or whatever. So he thinks he's taking a little time to inventory. Is anything broken on this motorcycle? You know, and even those 10 seconds are just uh-huh. huge. And when Villapoto goes down like he did at uh, Indy, he's just right back on it. So that's the theory. We'd have to ask JT the racer about that. What do you, how do you feel, JT? Um... I, I think it's possible. I never really was of that mindset. You know, I, I, if something was broken, it usually was pretty apparent. 
But I, you know, I, I can understand it. If, if Stewart's had big crashes, that's going to play into your psyche. But, man, unfortunately, you know, those 10 seconds, if it is 10 seconds, are incredibly valuable. So um, I'm never going to tell somebody to not err on the side of caution. But, man, when, it seems pretty tough. When James landed on you in Houston, how long did you take to... Uh, I'm going to say, like, four months after knee surgery. <laughs> So you were not worried about your condition of your motorcycle at that moment? No, no. I was worried about how I was going to pay my mortgage, uh, <laughs> you know, during the summer. Right, right. <laughs> uh, um, well, Mathis, you always used to tell the story of the scariest thing ever was that. You, Chad Reed, here it is, get on it, and then just immediately jumps triple. No, oh, all the time. All the time. And then I left Villeman's brake caliper loose one time in a... I mean, it happens, you know, and yeah, we'd be like, hey, Chad, we just did this change. And you're like, oh, my God, like, can you at least, you know, ride it for 10 seconds? If he had, if he had really known your your capabilities as a mechanic, I think he would have rethought. Yeah, perhaps perhaps he didn't realize, right, exactly. You uh, know what he does? He, he actually does, every time they make a change on his bike, at, at home at least, he, he does a lap around the track on the outside of it and goes through all the gears and make sure everything's running now. So I don't know yeah, what's changed. Older but. and wiser. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, we, I mean, all of us used to be like, Jesus, Chad, oh. Like, <laughs> everyone would look away and like, oh, God. You know, so. Um, all right, 250s. M- my title pick comes through. We're looking good. If we could only make every race like Daytona, we'd be we'd be there. Uh Blake Baggett, my pick for the for the title before the season started. Um, what a drastically, drastically different Blake Baggett at Daytona. And Weege, I just, I mean, I read your interview you did with him. It didn't make a whole lot of sense, but yeah, it's still good to see. As per usual. As per usual. But um, it, it, it's clearly a, something mental with Blake because he, he's been okay uh, this season. He hasn't gotten the starts for the most part, but he was on another level at Daytona. He rode, he rode really, really great. It is the Baggett, like, it's the standard thing. Like, there's, there are races here and there. And the 250 class is traditionally always so tight and so close. And, you know, even when a guy wins a lot of races, there's usually competition. But, like, what, the last three or four years, there have just been races where you're like, is he on the same bike? as he's, Is he in the same class? You know, some of these hangtown races or these races where he'd be, like, you know, 10th halfway through. And then, oh, I'm just going to pass nine dudes in the next five minutes. Like, and then it's just not there the next week. It's just his deal. I don't get it at all. Yeah. So uh, I can't think of another guy or or example like this. Maybe no. Robbie Raynard, maybe. Yeah. JT. Uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, I don't I don't really have any guy off okay. the top of my head. Let me ask you guys this: J, uh, Does Blake Baggett uh, go back to being? What we've seen from the first three races, or does he step it up, Weege? What do you think? Or is this a total one-off Daytona-only race from Blake Baggett? It's so hard to answer, and I do feel like that's even the same thing with Wilson. On a scale of 1 to 15, on a 1 to 15 scale. Oh, geez. Of how likely is it to happen again? Wait. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But, no, but what do you think? There's a lot of these rides where it'd be very hard to qualify. Like, Gerke obviously had his best race of the year. But Daytona's different. 
and Tickle had his best finish ever, but Daytona's different. And Wilson had a great ride, but Daytona's different. And Bagan had his best race either, but Daytona, there's so much of the Daytona thing that makes it so hard, so hard to judge. Well, just tell us, what do you think? Just what, what do you think he goes back to? I think he goes back to where he was at uh, Dallas, where he's right in there with those guys. Do I believe that all of a sudden he's going to do this at mm-hmm. all the rest of the Supercross rounds, like yeah. Daytona? No. What do you think, JT? Same thing. Yep. Yeah. I think we'll see him in contention. But if he doesn't get the start, he's gonna get you know second or third fourth. But if he, you know, I think he can be up front just like we've seen him. He'll be just the same guy he was. Okay. All right. So this was a Daytona only thing—a ruddy, crappy, loose soil type of deal. Yes. Um, seeing Cirillo was good. Good. He needed to get that start after the, having the motor problem in the heat. Uh, what did his bike? What was it doing down there on the floor, uh, Weege, on in the heat? Like when when it went by, was it just what, what kind of noise was it making? No, I couldn't hear it because oh. I was oh. on the stage during that. But I think did Biden say that he heard it? I don't, I don't know. But somebody said that they uh, heard it. And it sounded bad. That's weird. It ran what fifty percent bad. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, and, was, and, and like on a, what three quarters of a lap to go, right? It wasn't quite um, yeah, more than that. Um, yeah. Are you surprised, JT, at the gap between the three? I, I and I wrote this in my column, and there's a huge gap between the three PC guys and everybody else, uh, bigger than I would have ever thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel silly not thinking that it, it was going to be like this. We when you look at it on paper, we didn't l- think it was going to be like this at all. Yeah, it, I didn't think so either. But when you really sit back and look at it. I think Davos has been a lot more consistent than we expected. But, man, you had Bogle coming off a big injury, so he wasn't fully prepared. Uh, Jeremy Martin hasn't done a ton in Supercross before. Blake Wharton, really, you know, I don't think he was fully prepared either. This is kind of a last-minute deal. And he's never really been that consistent to start with. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, it's very surprising, but at the same time, can you really be that surprised when you look at the rap sheet of the guys? You know, Cinturillo has been surprising, I'll give you that. Davalos has always been fast. Baggett's a former national champion and, and Supercross winner previously. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm, I'm surprised, but at the same time, I'm like, you shouldn't be surprised. You know, they're, they're yeah. probably the three best guys, so of course they're going to be up front. Ouija, the gap surprise you? Uh, I'm agreeing with JT and everything here. I think we're brothers. Of course you are. Yeah, you guys. Oh, yeah. You guys probably called each other. I can't. You guys probably called each other before we started. Okay. And the first name. I think like everything that could have gone right. When we were talking about the East, it was like everyone has pros and cons. They're not flawless. None of them are flawless. But everything that could have gone right for the pro circuit guys has. Like, I mean, Baggett has had times where he's pretty much sucked the Supercross, and he's also been hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Apparently he's pretty good this year, and the injuries aren't a problem. Since was a rookie, you never know you get. Apparently that's not a problem. Davalos has been hideously inconsistent. Usually that's not a problem. All the things that could have trapped those guys really haven't ruined any of them. They've been about as good as you could possibly expect them to be. Um, but that's hard to predict. I mean, especially Baggett's the most unpredictable rider maybe ever. Yeah. And Cincerlo is a rookie, and Davalos is unpredictable only, or predictable that he is unpredictable. <laughs> So you couldn't count on this happening, but it's not surprising to see it when it does. You know, uh, I've got, you know, obviously I've hung out with RV a little bit, and I don't think it's a coincidence, by the way, that 
I was there all week, and he had you know his best race of the season either. But um, uh, so RV and I have a little you know a little bit of a relationship where he, he gives me some good interviews. Weed, you kind of have that going on with Baggett because I was right after you to interview him for Pulp MX, and uh, he gave me as bland as an interview as you can get. And then I read yours, and I'm like, okay, did Weege give him LSD before the interview? You have, you have, Weege, congratulations. You have a bond with Blake Baggett. I, I do, but I did an interview with Phil Poto after the press conference. It was atrocious. So that's why there's two of us. Oh, really? Oh, okay, so he, Phil Poto gave you nothing. Usually he's good, you know. Uh, yeah. Fewer at the level you are with RV, but usually he's pretty good with me. But uh, I don't know. I was even wondering, oh. I'm like, hey, I wonder if these dudes are just actually literally tired. It is Daytona. Yeah. It is now 11 p.m. The race is 45 minutes ago. Maybe yeah. they're just dead. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, get, I don't know, man. He's always just said the weirdest crazy, even in conversations. Like, yeah. <laughs> Bones told me after Dallas, he's like, congratulations to the first person to get him a smile under here. Oh, really? And I'm like, I never see him don't smile. Like, he's, yeah, yeah. I don't even know. Oh, congratulations. Sorry, you, you, got yourself, like you got yourself a uh, little, little I think you have your guys. I had my guys. Like, when Steve would come over, I would, I would say things to see that I would never say to, I don't know, you know, Jim Kimball or just pick any random, you know, yeah. interviewer. I think that the relationship and the, the camaraderie and you feel a lot more comfortable. There's the inside jokes and all that kind of stuff. I think that comes out big time. Yeah. Oh, congratulations, Weech. You should have saw the shock with our guy Chase Stallow when Mathis started the tickle interview and was like, so this is your deal? You just sucked balls earlier. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. shock to the system. <laughs> Wow, he was 16th. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, but few few have been around enough like you to know you can say suck balls on the guys. are not going to be like, what? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know Tickle that well. I should, probably should have, shouldn't have said that. but You do know cheese pizza pretty well, though. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, he keeps bringing it up to me, and it makes me feel bad now. Um, uh, yeah, well, you know, Baggett's a hard guy to get to know, Weed, so it's, it's something you should treasure. Uh, Jeremy Martin? No longer in the B practice. He's now in the top 20 with his sixth place. And actually, he rode pretty good. He was uh, back. back At one point, he got pushed off the track, and it didn't look good for old Jer-Bear. Jer, Jer but uh, sixth place is good, uh, Weege. We can build on sixth place. Do you have a good relationship uh, with him? You one of your guys? No. No. No, not at all, actually. Maybe the opposite. That, well, I, that, he doesn't like that Matthews guy. That's true. Right. Not, not, I'm not really sure if it's me or not. It certainly was better based on the terribleness of the first three rounds. You can't yeah. deny that. But, yeah. you know, he, everyone knew with him being in that B practice. Since really even told me, he's like, I'll give it 95% chance that he's fastest qualifier. And then he wasn't still. Yeah. And then in the heat, he got the whole shot, and they handled him pretty good. Like, still, that's not the level you would have expected him to be, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. No, it's probably not. I won I won 20 bucks off Cincerello, by the way. Why? He He said... Guarantee that Jeremy Martin's on the podium. I took the other side, and now I'm twenty dollars richer. He is betting against other riders. He's betting against himself in a, in, a, in a way. I mean, he's yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know right. what place he thought he would. No, get, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he looks good though, man. Man, he looks. He's the real deal. That kid. Jeez. And I didn't even interview him after the race because I'm like, you know what? I talked to this guy all the time. We you, we filmed him. JT on Wednesday. He filmed for us a little bit. Yep. And, and was just a clown all day long. Um, and I didn't. Well, even... he's, I'm sure he's not very up on the world of gambling. But when a rider goes DNQ DNQ 19, and you pick, <laughs> yes, yeah. you're picking him for any spot other than one, two, or three. 
I will take that every time. Yeah. No matter who it is. Um, I lost more money than Dan Truman this weekend, um, by the way. So he's really getting me back for all those Davalos bets that I've made money off of him. Uh, Vince Freeze rode well. Bishaglia rode well. Um, uh, Cole Thompson got a terrible start, and he got 13th. And no one's going to talk about it, but dude, he was so far back. I think I thought Cole Thompson. Of course, I pay attention to him. He's Canadian. Um, I thought he had a great race, thirteenth on a track that uh, you know wasn't easy out there. And Alex Martin went from eighth to fourteenth on the last lap. Alex has gone off the track three races in a row. Three races in a row. I've looked out there, seen Alex Martin in between the lanes, riding around. So, congratulations. I don't know if that's ever happened to somebody three three races in a row. And anything else, 250-wise? You know, that uh, LCQ was – that was like a replay of last year's uh, Pike situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pike Canary, um, which I believe – I've kind of heard to the grapevine. That Pike Canary drag race to the finish last mm-hmm. year where they were just like scrubbing the jumps as hard as they humanly could and stuff like that. Yeah. That may or may not have been an inspiration for that Red Bull straight rhythm thing. Oh, Really? Yeah, I mean, you had fans on the side watching it and going yeah. nuts for it. Like, right, right. Someone may or may not have been like, wait a minute. Hmm. Um, sweet. I, did, uh, anyway, that LCQ this year in the 250s, what I think it shows you is, like, did you, did you see the replay on TV of how big they aired it out, especially Zimmer? Yeah. It really shows you, and props to, you know, guys like you, JT, like, if you're a pro and you're out there and – Okay, this is Zimmer, who's, what is he, number 79, and he didn't even end up making the main event. You watch him do that jump, and you're like, holy crap. Every single one of these guys out here is a ridiculously amazing motorcycle rider. You watch those two go down that straightaway, and you had never watched racing before. You'd be like, oh, those are two clearly, those are clearly the two best riders in the world. <laughs> and J- oh, yeah, well, it comes back to that thing where I, you know, I, I do this VIP experience thing, and I know you guys obviously are well aware, but every weekend in the CNB practices, you hear guys saying, wow, these guys, these guys aren't very good. You know, and you hear those little whispers and comments and I have to kind of remind them that guy that you're laughing at, if he came to your local track, you would think he is world champion. <laughs> he would be going that fast. Right. But it's all in perspective when you go up against literally the best riders in America. So in America, yeah, in the world, in the world. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah same same thing. I, Whoa, same thing. Whoa, yep. everybody. Did everybody yep. just catch that? Same thing. Fuck it, Jeff Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where you just lose perspective on how good these guys are because they're going against Ryan Bilpoto and Adam Cincerello and Yapon and on and on. Yeah. No, I, I brought up – I think I was telling one of your VIPs this story, JT, or maybe you, like a few years when Troy Adams was on Hart and Huntington – and I was out riding. I was out with Troy a couple times, riding the same tracks as him. Troy Adams, he was number sixty-five. Great guy, talented rider, but number sixty-five for a reason. Um, I'm like, hey, I'm going to try to race with Troy. Ha 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 ha. You know, like I can't even click enough gears to get up to speed to race with Troy as he zooms by me. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, like yep. you know. And that's the same if I tried to ha ha f with you, JT, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like. Here's a guy out on the track, and exactly, you're exactly right, Weeds. Like, the dude's in 40th, uh, qualifying 40th in the night show. The last spot on the thing, again, would show up. And unless, you know, Ryan Vilpoto was there, 
or somebody like that, they're going to look incredible riders. And you're right. The, the desire and the talent back there in the LCQ, that, that, that's cool. Yeah, Zimmer technically was the 23rd best 250 rider by based on the result sheets. And he basically turned that thing into a 100-footer and landed in a breaking bump smoothly, scrubbed it perfectly, and that wasn't even good enough to get him into the main event. Yeah. And he, has, uh, he came up just short. <laughs> and he had no graphics on his bike. Oh, by the way, Wesson Pike crashed at Stewart's house. house uh, he said about 10 laps into his first time riding. Horrible crash. Um, people who were there thought they might have to call an ambulance or something, and he just got up. Um, he, he, he drug his foot coming out of a turn over a double, right over the bars. Bike plowed into him. His back is all scraped up, black and blue back. Uh, he couldn't ride this weekend. And, and again, the, the people who were there were like, we should call an ambulance, and he just got up. He should have came out to back in black on his <laughs> opening ceremonies. Yeah, he did come out. For, that was weird. Like, why did he do that, I wonder? Just because he thought it was uh, – Yeah, know. well, we were debuting that gear, and, you know, it's okay. good for his sponsors to be opening ceremonies. He wasn't planning on racing at yeah, all. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know. But usually those guys don't come out at all. But that's – yeah, okay. Um, he didn't race. Kyle Chisholm didn't race. Uh, AC joint in his shoulder – uh, JT, he tried to ride. You correctly predicted he would not be able to ride, and he did not. Yeah, just too soon. Yeah. There, there's no way. Um, who else was out? I think there's a third guy. Oh, Tomac. 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 Yeah. Uh, cartwheeled uh, right by uh, – I was standing on the stage, and um, um, he – on the far right-hand side, Weech, by the way, thank you for getting me on that stage. It was very, very awesome of you. Um, far right side, he cartwheels. And you know JT as a, as a former rider, like he got up, didn't even look at his bike, walked off, and sat down on the grass. That was it. So he was just basically had his bell rung. I would predict. I'm no doctor. Yeah, when you when you crash and you're not immediately looking for your motorcycle, no. that's not a good sign. So he gets up, he collects himself. Medics come over, he collects himself, gets on his bike, and I'm not kidding you. A minute and a half, two minutes later, I look over to my far left. And there's yellows, and he's walking off again, bloody nose. And he posted a crash on, on his Twitter. Did you guys both see it? No? No, I didn't. Oh, no. oh, it's ugly. It's ugly. Or his Instagram. Was it worse than Bill Photos? Oh, yeah. Same section. Yeah, just Bill Photos are just after it. Yep. Um, and no, uh, Tomac swaps and goes right over the bars and plows himself into the dirt. So uh, he was out, and coming off his first podium at Indy, the hoping to build on that momentum, Ouija actually did the exact opposite. Yeah, and that's what I was saying before about you. Now that this Wilson thing has happened, you can't remove it. It now that it's happened, the, the confidence and just how one race can change things. It is it is forever stamped, and that's the whole thing. Like, well, Tomac had some momentum going. Now it's blown. You know, that's what sucks. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm on the Wilson bandwagon with you guys. I've changed my mind. Okay. Oh, you're back. Arguing about. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. That was a fantastic ride. It was incredible. Incredible. He rides a 250 class. He was really good for 15 laps. What more do you want? <laughs> do you think that the two weeks that he'd ridden the bike, they didn't tell him it was 20? No one on. Well, we're on the Dean Wilson program. We're only scheduled for 15. <laughs> right. That, that right, was, right. That's the contracts we signed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. It was basically who's, just, uh, we are just riding it home after that. We thought the race was over. Who's a bigger Dean Wilson fan, yourself or Dan Truman? Uh, I would say Dan. Okay. Just because he's around him more than I am. Yeah. Um, no, trust me, it's nothing to do. Oh, by the way, Nicoletti, best finish of the year, eighth put, uh, eight points, 13th place. 
Uh, Weege, I guess you didn't get a chance to talk to the JGR guys much because you were announcing. No, I didn't. I do try to mix it up. Like I, like I think I said last week or something. I try not to go to that truck every week. Um, although I actually apologized to Shorty. I said, hey, man, I just want you to know that the reason I almost never interview after the race is because Mathis always does. So I know I already have an interview with you. And he's like, no, man, it's cool. You just want to talk to Brayton, I know. <laughs> but it's Shorty, he's kidding. He's yeah. making a joke. Yeah. You no, know Shorty was not for one second offended. Like, how no. come Weed never comes over here? No, but there are some dudes probably think like that for sure. Like, I know probably Dungy's going like, what? what's Mathis? Oh, I'm sure he's looking for you. Like, I don't understand. He's not by me. His wife's taking selfies with me. He's never around. Oh, you're ex-brand guys. Like, I almost never go and interview your ex-brand guys because I know you're going to have to go over there anyway. Yeah. You're going to interview them anyway. Yeah, I, I stopped talking to Albertson because I'm just like, okay, too much Albertson. Albertson overload. Like, right. right. After he told me the dirt was great in Dallas, I'm like, okay, you're off the list for a little while because <laughs> you're crazy. So you're off the list. Uh, no, you're exactly right, Weech. There is a, there is a, a thing to that. Uh, oh, uh, last thing before we go. Uh, Cole Seeley. Another one that JT kind of pulled off, by the way. I, I hate giving you credit, Thomas, but pre-race podcast, you're like, eh, this isn't his track. Well, I don't think anybody. I don't think saying that Cole Sealy wasn't going to do as well on Daytona is a stretch. No, not, no, I know, but that's that's not his style, in my in my opinion. Not nothing against Cole Sealy. I just don't think he and a really tough Daytona track are. You know, they're not no. the same. Same deal. But you went balls out on it on the page. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. call I can see it. I oh. mean, Cole Sealy's a great rider. He obviously killed it at, at Indy, and the yeah. conditions were really tough. I just, I yep. think he's more finesse and highly, highly skilled technically, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't think that's how Daytona was at all. all right. Nick Schmidt got back in the main. He's back in, in a force. Um, Adam Antonap did not make the main event, though. Damn it. Uh, he, get, he, he does have six bucks, though. Yeah, he does have six bucks, and he's going to spend it on a black force. Ham sub. Doesn't like cheese. <laughs> it's whack. Uh, it does not like cheese. All right. The BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Uh, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas, Daytona Supercross wrap up. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, we will all reconvene this weekend in um, Detroit. We're going to Detroit this weekend. That's, uh, that's where I'm at right now in this series. Uh, <laughs> going to Detroit. Uh, can't wait. Um, all right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, see you there. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. 
I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely, 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years.